0: Good morning to each one of you, and greetings in Jesus' name. It is good to be able to worship together. Again, what a blessing to be here. Three weeks is a long time to be away, and yet um, it it was a good time. And you know, we try to encourage the young people when they return to their home congregations to um, continue with that zeal, that desire, that joy in serving the Lord. And so one of the, someone asked me, so uh, you get to go home to the grindstone? And I said, well, I said, actually, I'm looking forward to being home and being in the classroom and, and seeing our church people, seeing our family, our church family, and the students at school, because... Right here is where we really live. Right here is where real life is. And we need to make the best of that where we are. This morning, I wanted to somehow give just a little bit of a nutshell of the uh, class Love and Non-Resistance. And so this is a sermon with numerous highlights from our class. And I'm hoping that, uh, that you can stay with me, and I hope that the, it'll flow. Um, so anyway, we serve an almighty God, creator. He is Lord of all. He is king. He reigns supreme. We all know that. In Genesis 1, in the beginning. What's the rest of that verse? In the beginning, What? God created everything, the heavens and the earth. We know that. Those are so familiar verses. But will do we actually really believe and understand that God made those adult trees? God made the landscape. God put that water on the face of the earth. God put that firmament, and the stars, and the sun, and the moon. God created everything. Do we really understand God? We understand as what we read. Isaiah 40 verse 28 says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the end of the earth, Fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. We look at God's word. We read this creation story. We see everything that's happened through the generations. But do we really understand God? We have some understanding. But I think a lot is yet to be learned. Psalm 135 Verse 5 says, For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. I do have one question. Are there other gods? Are there other gods? Say it again. The only gods that are there are the gods that we erect in our minds. Right? Right? Uh, the only gods that are there are the gods that we set up for ourselves. Because there, is, there are no other gods. Verse 6 there says, Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did He in heaven and in earth and in the seas and all the deep places. I want to read that again. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did He in heaven and in earth and in the seas and all the deep places. He caused the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings for the rain. He bringeth wind out of His treasuries. It pleased God. And He did it just as He pleased. Verse 29 of Isaiah 40. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increases strength. What does all this mean? All this means is God is sovereign. And I think we heard some of that from Jonathan. God is sovereign. He has created. He has positioned. He has placed each one of us at an appropriate time in His timeline for His glory. And what are we going to do about that as Christian people professing Christ as Lord? He raises whom He desires and He puts down whom He desires. He called Abram. Out of the land of Ur. Out of the land of the Chaldee. I forget exactly what it was. Let's see. In Ur of the Chaldees. He called him out of there. Could he have called someone else? Yeah, he could have. He could have called someone else. But he didn't. He called Abram. And then he, when, he, when he called him... He gave him a promise of him and his seed from generation to generation. We see in the Old Testament time and time again how God worked through the children of Israel and that they were at times, the children of Israel, were called to totally wipe out nations in the lands that they were going to possess. Why did he command them to do that? Any thoughts? Why did God command them to do that? Right, because they were worshiping other gods. Israel was that physical nation. You know, we live in this physical body. But Israel was that physical nation of God, and God knew the influences of those heathen nations. God knew that those men and women that were not empowered by the Holy Spirit that we possess today were going to be prone to Go somewhere other than following God. And He knows your tendency and mine today. God gave the children of Israel and us through His Word many warnings. We can look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. It says, And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you the statutes and judgments that ye might do them in the land whether ye go over to possess it. Take ye therefore good heed to yourselves. For ye you saw no manner of similitude on the day that the Lord spake unto you in horror about of the midst of the fire. Lest, listen to this. Lest ye corrupt yourselves and make you graven an image and the similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female. And where did these come from? They came from the figment of. Of man's imaginations. The gods that they would erect themselves. And so he gave warnings. Not only to the children of Israel. But he gives us warnings today. Beware lest we forget. God is sovereign. We saw he called Abram. He talked to the children of Israel. We see how he called Pharaoh. To play a specific part in the story of the children of Israel to harden his heart we see how god because of the hardness of heart of the israelites allowed them to set up kings to rule over them and some were good kings and some or most were evil but the question that came up how can god who is holy And I want you to think about this. How can God, who is holy, allow all of these evil things to take place? Can you help me out with that? Okay. Any other thoughts? Overall plan, thank you. Thank you. We know that in the beginning, God created everything good and perfect. And he gave man, the, his free moral agent, the ability to choose right and wrong. To choose to follow God or not. And we know that because of sin entering this world, there are evil things. We know that that sin came from Satan himself, the father of lies. We know that in God himself there is no evil. Turn with me, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14. Starting at verse 12. It says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. This sin that has cursed humanity started with Satan. One of God's created that said he would be exalted. He would be like God. And in the figment of his own imagination, Satan himself elevated himself. To being God, or like God, or above God. And we know that through the sovereignty, through the power of God, that's impossible. It is not possible that one can rise above the God of creation, the God that is all-powerful. This created being that we see as an angel, one of God's, from what I understand, an archangel said, I will be like. And I want you to think about this. Even today, men consider themselves to grow in their knowledge to where they can be like God. People, we are far, far, far from that. We know that man chose to disobey God and then sin entered in. We saw the serpent in the garden, that he was more subtle than any of the beasts of the field. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said. Are you sure that's what God said? That you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And they had a conversation there. And God, or Satan, through this conversation, sparked just a bit of doubt. In the authority and the promise and the truth of God's Word. And we know that through that seed of doubt, it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat, and the eyes of them both were opened through this lie, through this planting of the seed of doubt, through this half-truth of Satan, and through this disobedience, we know the world suffers today. And I know that many of us have suffered some type of... hmm, I don't know exactly how to say it. Some type of result of the fall of man. How many of y'all have lost a loved one? The result of the fall of man. How many have, have had sickness in their life? The result of the fall of man. How many of y'all have pulled weeds in your garden? Of course, the result of the fall of man. And there are so many other things. And those are some big, some trivial. And yet, it is a result Of that curse of sin. So how do we reconcile the old and the new? How do we reconcile God commanding those children of Israel to totally annihilate? To totally wipe out? And in the New Testament where Jesus said, resist not evil. I want you to turn with me if you will to Matthew chapter 5. This was our memory verse, verses. These verses were our memory verses, starting at verse 38. Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 38. Ye have heard that it hath been said, An eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil... This is a new thought. To people that were following the law of the land. To people that were carrying out vengeance because of the law that God had instituted. They were to stone those that sinned, grievous sins or sexual sins or something like that. that It says, but I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other. And if any man will sue thee at law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow thee, turn not thou away. And ye have heard that it hath been said, "Thou Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them, which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same, and if ye salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even publicans the same? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. So, the question is, how do we apply these verses in shoe leather today? If we look at the beginning of these verses, they're talking about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. If any man sue thee at law or if any man smite thee. Is this talking to brethren in the church, to sisters in the church? I want to think about that just a bit. Is it talking to a Christian community? I know he was teaching the people. He was teaching his disciples. But I think this, for the the most part, in the beginning here, is speaking to the things that we experience maybe because of, cur- of the curse of sin. Scripture clearly teaches us that if we have an ought with our brother or a brother has an ought with us, that we are supposed to do something about that. We are supposed to be reconciled. But here it's speaking about physical oppression. Matthew 5.39 But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. This word resist means to stand up against. Now I want to read that verse. And I want you to put these words in there. It says, Resist not evil. Okay, the word resist means to stand against. So what is that verse saying? That ye stand not against evil. Right? That's what it's saying. Literally. Does that mean that We're not supposed to stand up against things that are wrong? No, I don't believe that. I think what it is saying here is that we don't physically resist some of the evil things that come our way. In a physical way. And maybe even in a verbal way. This evil is something that is harmful. And it has a whole list of some of those things. In James 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So this is not saying that we're not to resist the devil. It says we are to resist evil happenings that come our way from those that may see us as Christians and cause evil to come our way. Jesus said, if you serve me, you are going to to suffer persecution. Do we want that? No, I don't. But are you serving Christ? Am I serving Christ? Does evil come our way or harmful things come our way sometimes? Yes, they do. How do we respond to that? Sometimes the way we respond to that can bring glory to God or harm to our hmm, profession of faith. So how do you respond when someone takes advantage of you? How do we act when someone says something ill of us? And I wanted to give you an example. We were building fence a couple of years ago. And because of schedule, it took a little bit of time to get some of that stuff done. And so we tore out the old fence and cleared it. We... uh, planted the corner posts. we checked the line where it was supposed to be, we planted the corner post, then we stretched one barb of wire straight. And again, we had checked the line. So we got the the posts in, we got the corner posts in, we stretched that wire, and another day we drilled the holes and drove the posts. So this was like a several day week-long project and when we finished stringing those last barbs the neighbor man called and he said Davey he said you built this fence on my property and I was like "Mm, not true but so I went down and I looked at it with him and and he said how many acres do you have and I told him and he said well we only have this much and he said this fence is on my property. And I could have stood there and said, no, we, we checked the property line. We, we put the posts in. We, we made the line straight. But you know, I just decided this man was not is not a believer. And I'm not going to stand toe to toe to him. I'm not going to go get a survey and say, this is what we, this is what we see. I'll, I'll prove it to you. No, I didn't do that. I told our boys, I said, that fence is coming out. And so we uh, cut that brand new barb, and we pulled those posts out, and we moved it over. Did we have to do that? Probably not. I could have probably got a survey. I could have probably made it, made it work. Was that hard for me? Yep. Was that hard for our boys? Yep, it was. But my desire was to keep peace with my neighbor. It was a lot of work. But I'm really hoping that it was a witness. Matthew 5 43 says, You have heard it it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So in a nutshell, what's that verse saying? Love, bless, do good, and pray. How do we practice that? The old man in me wanted to rise up and say, I'll show you this line is right. That's what the old man in me wanted to do. But as a Christian, I felt my duty was to say, Hey, I'll try to make this so it suits you. The old man in us tends to rise up and say, Hey, wait a minute, this is not fair. But you know, our children could tell you something that I've told them all their lives life ain't fair, get over it. Life ain't fair, get over it. We will face things in our lives, whether a Christian or whether not, we will face things that do not seem fair. And we need to learn to have the mind of Christ. Learn to deal with those things because life will bring unfair things. 1 Peter 2.19 For this is thankworthy. And I think this is what Brother Jonathan read last week. Yes, part of those verses. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it? If when ye be buffeted for your fault ye shall take it patiently. But if when ye do well and suffer for it, Ye take it patiently, this is acceptable to God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. In all of the accusations, in all of the punishment, in all of everything that Christ suffered, he could have, by the power of His might, being one of the trinity, being one of the three, having all power, He could have said, that's what you think, and wiped them out. And yet, His plan was to do the will of the Father. We need, likewise, to put on the mind of Christ. And I think our brother shared this, Is that the old man? Far from it. Is that Jesus standing up for his rights? Far from it. Is that a godly example or what was in the initial plan for us to follow after? Absolutely. Because Jesus came to fulfill the way, the will of the Father. And we need to remember that God is the righteous judge. And we can rest in that. God will take care of you. He may not take care of your physical body. He may not take care of all your physical possessions. Just like we think He needs to. Because our understanding is not like His. But we need to remember that God is the righteous judge. In Romans 12... Verse 19, it says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy feed hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. This vengeance is mine, comes from Isaiah. Chapter Thirty Four. I want you to turn there with me. Isaiah Chapter Thirty Four. Verse One says, Come near, ye nations, to hear. And hearken, ye people, let the earth hear and all that is therein, the world and all the things that come forth. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and His fury is upon all their armies. He hath utterly destroyed them. He hath delivered them to the slaughter. Their slain also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. And all the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll." scroll. And all their hosts shall fall down and the, as the leaf falleth off from the vine. And as a falling fig from the fig tree. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon Edumia. I can't remember exactly how to say that. Adumia, And upon the people my curse to judgment. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. It is made with fat. "...made fat with fatness, and with the blood of the lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidneys of rams. For the Lord hath a sacrifice in Basra, and a great slaughter in the land of Adumia. And the unicorns shall come down with them, and the bullocks with the bulls. And their land shall be soaked with blood, and their dust made fat with fatness." For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance and the year of recompense recompense, for the controversy of Zion. Vengeance is mine. In all of these verses, he's talking about that he will judge these nations, these armies. Vengeance is mine. He will repay, saith the Lord. Jesus was our perfect example. As he was arrested and falsely accused, he uttered not a word. When he was beaten and spit upon, he didn't retaliate. And when he hung on the cross, he uttered those famous words that we so clearly hear, but do we understand? And those words were, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Love and non-resistance. One of the quotes that was shared in our class was that non-resistance is kind of a double negative. And somebody said, Love of Jesus. And not resisting evil is like calling marriage non-adultery. And I found that interesting and humorous. But loving the way Jesus loved set a new standard. Not for the world, but for the church. And that was for you and I. Because we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, as followers of Christ as people living in this land, as people that are controlled by the Spirit, interacting with people that are controlled by the old man, there will be conflict. There will be times to be loving and forgiving. There will be times where we will need to reach out to those that have hurt us in more ways than one. We need to love as Jesus loved And forgive as Jesus forgave and live a life of service to others for God's glory.